Achtung, Achtung, hier ist Alex Wright and you are listening to Chat Grabble and Cheat Pops with JB and Chris Dredd. Enjoy it or I come over and kick your ass. Welcome everyone to another very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheat Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man, JB. I know we say that every single episode is a very special episode, but this one is a very special episode. We are here with, as retro 90s wrestling podcasts go, this man is the freaking man. He was integral in WCW all the way through the 90s, pretty much all the way through early 90s to early 2000s. He was there through it all. And he was, I would say, I don't know, he's probably had more matches than most people. He was on every Nitro pretty much. He was on every pay-per-view. I mean, what do you reckon, Jay? Yeah, he must have been on the Saturday nights on WCW Pro, everything like that. So, Man, we, I'm excited. You're excited. I hope Hello. everyone else is excited. So how's about we just say Actung? And let's do this, baby. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Chat, Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man, JB. And today we have an absolutely amazing guest. He was integral to the WCW all the way through the 90s into the early 2000s. He is former uh, WCW Cruiserweight champion, former WCW TV champion, former WCW tag team champion, and just an amazing guy in the ring. We love to welcome him. It's Mr. Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Achtung, Achtung, hier yeah. ist Alex Wright. <laughs> oh, Came from Germany. Yes. <laughs> oh, we, we were waiting for the Achtung, Achtung, and you've just made our day already, Alex, with that. Thank you. <laughs> Alex, how, how are you? How's, how's things going? In, are you in Germany right now? Yeah, I live in Germany now. Yeah, I got my own wrestling school here and my own wrestling promotion. So when I moved over from the States, that was about in 2004, I opened both and uh, it's running really good uh, besides the last uh, one and a half years because of uh, Corona. <laughs> but uh, now we are allowed to give training again. So everything is fine again. So that's the, um, the right stuff wrestling school, right? The right stuff for wrestling school, yes. Excellent. Where, whereabouts in Germany is that, Alex? In Nuremberg. In Nuremberg. So anyone in Germany, if you want to be trained by one of the best, then uh, get down to the Right Stuff School in Nuremberg in Germany. Um, you know, we, we um, ourselves trained in the UK. Uh, we just didn't have what it took, you know. Um, so we, we didn't quite make it, but we enjoyed every moment of training. And, um, you know, the, the wrestling business and wrestling training is 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 hard you know it's not people 
might get into it thinking that it's easy or you know that it's fun and games but um i'm sure you'll tell us alex it's it's tough going right yeah it's a tough sport you know it's an impact sport uh combined with sports and entertainment with a lot of you know entertainment and uh but <clears throat> of course it's really hard to take the impact you know all the impact moves and stuff like that and uh also you have to learn a lot of stuff you know i mean if if you want to be one of the best in the sport and you want to travel the world and wrestle for all the promotions, you have to have a big, a big uh, repertoire, you know? And so um, it's not easy to learn all that stuff, you know? Definitely not. Um, Alex, uh, how many, how many students do you have at the moment in, in the school? Well, I, I downsized again because it was too much. I'm, Right now, I have students from all over Europe and from actually all over the world. They come to my place, and I'm booked one and a one and a half years in advance. And um, I had a big, big uh, gym with uh, two rings and stuff like that. Uh, and we did uh, TV production also there. We had a TV deal running with my promotion, but um, it was just too much, you know. And I want to enjoy wrestling and I want to enjoy being in a wrestling sport. And if, if anything in life gets too much, then you can't enjoy it anymore. So I decided to switch the gym again and uh, just, uh, you know, downsize how many people I train. And right now I'm at about, you know, somewhere between 45 and 50 people where I train at the moment. Before I had about 100 students wow. and um, yeah, it was just too much. You know, I want to really be, be um, personally involved in training each and every one. And um, 100 students, it's really tough and really hard, you know. That's, uh, I mean, e even 50, I think, is, is quite a lot, but it's, it's good because you know that at least with that number then you're able to spend more time individually with everybody right exactly that's the whole point of it downsizing you know and um you don't have any anyone else there training it's it's just you training all the guys and girls well when i had 100 uh, 100 students i had uh, two uh, co-trainers um which i also have trained and uh, of course i developed all the training plans and all that thing I, I mean i decided what they teach and what not and stuff like that but still like you said i wanted to be personal involved with everybody and um so right now i'm just myself just giving training and sometimes my dad also oh wow i mean we we will get into um steve you know uh, or uh, bull blitzer as he was known later on um <laughs> in, in the uk i mean uh, myself and Jordan, we, you know, being from the UK, we have watched wrestling growing up. Um, and I mean, your dad came through in, you know, the early 70s through the 80s uh, into the 90s. And I mean, he's wrestled some of the best uh, as well, you know, from all over the world. Um, it's just incredible. And it, it's it's good because when we watch you wrestle, I think it as a UK guys, as we've tr been trained in a certain way, we can kind of tell by watching you when you wrestled that you were trained by a British guy because you've got certain techniques 
that are very um British, shall we say, you know, like the um the, the cartwheels yes. and, and things I, like I, that. I have to say I'm very proud of it too, that oh, I have it, that style. And I'm very thankful and grateful to my dad that he teached me that. So I was kind of lucky to have a dad which, uh, you know, trained in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually I'm half British anyway, so I'm very proud to be half British also. That's great. I mean, we, and your, um, your European uppercuts, your forearms are fantastic. And you. you know, they, they're just like your dad's, it, you know, it's <laughs> watching, watching you sometimes, some of the moves you do, the cartwheels and stuff was just absolutely fantastic because it was definitely shades of, uh, of Steve. Um, it's, it's great to know that he's still, he's still doing bits of training and that is he. Yeah. I mean, he loves the sport, you know, I mean, wrestling was his life though. So. Any, any chance he gets, you know, he drops down to the school and uh, trains my students. I, I will say one one match involving your dad. It was absolutely incredible, Alex. It was um, Brian Maxine in 1972. It was a World of Sport British match. And it was like eight rounds of five minutes. Yeah. And it was just, it's an absolutely, it's like a British wrestling masterclass. Yeah, um, I, I just recently saw it on uh, on YouTube. Oh, yeah, it, fantastic! He was. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was so much. I mean, uh, so much technique and so much uh, telling a story, you know, over a long time, without right away going into brawling or stuff like that. You know, so that's uh, very. Even for me, it's very. Uh, um, I still learned from that match how you uh, um, can tell a story without going right away to brawling or whatever, you know. It, it was absolutely beautiful storytelling, the way it was built up. And the, the fantastic thing with that match as well, when you watch it, like it's a thing in British wrestling where the crowd at that time, that's 1972. And I think your dad was only 18 at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was called the Warrington Wonder Boy as well, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, it, it's got, you know, that Wonder Boy, Wonder Kinder stuff coming through. Fantastic. But the crowd at that time, through the 70s and the 80s, were like the old ladies that would sit in the front row were literally waiting to jump in the ring and throttle Brian Maxine. You know, it was like the heat was just incredible back then because kayfabe definitely in UK, in British wrestling, was like, it was real. You know, it yeah, was... You know, it was incredible. And, and and the fact that you come from that legacy, you can definitely tell, like, when you were in the ring working, it was, you were there, you were wrestling, and you were, you know, that legitimacy definitely came through watching you. Thank you very much. That's what I always uh, tried to achieve, you know. Give my 100% and make it, uh, um, you know, so the, my opinion, it's very important to have an emotional connection to the fan and to the audience. And if you cannot reach that or achieve that, then you might be a good good uh, sportsman or good athlete, but you, you won't be a good uh, uh, wrestler. You know, a wrestler is not, you, not only, you're not just with your opponent in the ring, you have to look for the referee and for the audience. And, and if you, you know, always have an open ear for the atmosphere in the audience, then, uh, there's a good chance that you're going to uh, satisfy the audience with your match in doing the right stuff at the right time. Alex, if you don't mind me shifting gears for a minute, um, how did it come about that you ended up going to WCW? Well, when I started, I had my first professional match at the age of 16. 
and I was the youngest uh, uh, German wrestler. And I would say probably worldwide one of the youngest wrestlers. So I get a lot of media t media attention in Germany, and I got invited to a lot of talk shows and radio shows and TV shows. And had one TV show which was very um, very famous here in Germany, Schreinemarkers Live. I met uh, Johnny Bad and Sting, and also I met the tour manager. And the tour manager said, "Hey, why don't you uh, show up in Munich? We have a German tour right now going on." And, you know, of course, I, I took the invitation and my dad, being a veteran in the business, he said, hey, kid, you never know what's going to happen. Take your wrestling gear with you. And I was lucky, I guess, because one of the guys uh, was hurt of the WCW guys. And they asked me to, to have a match that night. And funny thing, the first match in WCW was against Paul Roma. And we really had a really good match. So Ric Flair came up to me after the match and said, hey, listen, kid, I really enjoyed what I saw. And uh, would you like to finish the tour with us? And of course, I said, yes, you know, a big chance for a young kid like me. I was 18 years old. And uh, yeah, the next night I wrestled against uh, Frank Anderson, which was an Olympic amateur, amateur wrestler. And... Um, they they enjoyed that match also and uh, you know every night I, I just busted my ass because I knew it's like every day a tryout you know and uh, at the end of the tour uh, Ric Flair called me in the, in the hotel room and surprisingly uh, Eric Bischoff was also there and they offered me a contract and I had to decide at the age of 18 in one week if I take this chance or not and of course I did and then I I moved by myself at the age of 18 to the states which was a really big step you know at that time I had already a signed contract with CWA Catch Wrestling Association for one year but um, you know since since my dad uh, wrestled many years for them they said nah it's okay it's a big chance for you for your son we uh release them out of the contract and that was it and from that you know was the best best decision to that i have could take to go to the states you know i have to excuse my english i haven't talked english for a while you know it's it's hard to switch the languages again <laughs> but anyway um no it was a really really hard step to move over there because at that time i was engaged already and um uh, when I moved to the States, you know, at the age of 18, you're not an adult legally over there. You know, you, you're going to, I think it's 21, the age uh, that you're an adult yeah, over there. 21 to drink. So yeah. you, you don't get the respect like you get in Europe. And um, the next thing is, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a foreigner and I was German also. So that didn't make me very... Uh, very you know uh, sympathetic to all my colleagues over there <laughs> and then when I finally got a push that was uh, even harder so the first nine months were really tough you know I really had to um how you say take take my respect or how uh, get the respect you had yeah yeah like had to earn your respect earn your, yeah and like um that. 
yeah, I mean, we really appreciate you doing it in English because uh, myself and uh, Jordan's German is uh, Scheiser. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, <laughs> so we well, really... well, the, well, the thing is, um, when you live in a country where you speak English or if you, you have the chance to speak more often English, it's not, not hard to speak English. But I think the last time I spoke English was like, I don't know, a year ago, something like that, or half a year ago. So... <laughs> Yeah, it is like that with languages. When you're immersed in it and you're speaking it every day, it kind of flows off the head and you can yeah, just... You know, automatically. Yeah. But right now I'm missing words, you know, a lot of times, so... No worries. You know, yeah, like I said, we really, really appreciate it. You, okay. I mean, it's, it's fantastic just to be talking with you, Alex, man. It's great stuff. Um, so when you were, came into WCW, I mean, even in the early days, you were having some some fantastic matches on TV, on pay-per-views. I mean, you, you had a great match with Paul Roma um, on, where was it? It was Cla not Clash of the Champions. Um, in, I think in, in 1995, you had a great match with um, Paul Roma. You had a fantastic match with um, Brian Pillman um, yeah. in, in the early days. It was just absolutely fantastic stuff and it was it was often the first match of the night and you just set the place on fire you know you literally you know the actual wrestling i don't think in the wwf at that time there was really many matches technically that were that were up to par to to your matches really oh thank you very much well when i my thing was always when i step in the ring i want to um give a hundred percent for for uh the audience and 100% for the promoter and of course 100% of myself and um, my, my dad always told me it doesn't matter what kind of match it is if it's a championship match or a regular match uh, if it's a house show or a tv show just give 100% you know and that's you know I just love that sport and um, I really enjoyed being in the ring and being in the ring was that many great other talents like Eddie Guerrero, Pillman, you know, Melenko and all those guys, you know, I really had a blast and I learned a lot every time I stepped in the ring, you know, so I really enjoyed it. I mean, the, the list of people that you've worked with in the ring is just way too many to list all of them. And they're, they're all just absolutely top tier talents, you know, from British Bulldog, Ultimo Dragon, you know, Regal, Kidman, you know, Fit Finley, um, Malenko, Jericho, um, and also Fit Finley. I know you probably knew him from way back um, with your dad. I know there's a, a video on YouTube um, in Vienna, I think, in 93. Yeah, um, I, I knew him since a little child, yeah. Yeah. Child, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, working with him in WCW was great as well because, um, you know, you had the whole angle that he broke your dad's leg and it was, you know... Yeah, well, well, actually, I worked him before that uh, in CWA. He was oh, one of right. my first matches. My first match was against Colonel Brody. And I think my third match in Hanover was against uh, Finlay. That was a really tough match. <laughs> <laughs> He's a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, stiff. But, yeah, solid, I would say. Solid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my, I got teached uh, by my dad to work solid, so I really enjoyed it. I'd rather have it solid instead of being, you know, really soft yeah. because yeah. Then, then you don't know how to sell it. <laughs> That's right. Whose idea was the uh, the music and the dancing? 
Well, actually, it was a management idea. Um, what, at, um, you know, when before I moved to the States, um, techno was really big in the dance clubs here in Germany. I mean, I had a really big hype. And I enjoyed that music. You know, I, I, I went to all those dance clubs and, you know, partied my ass off. And um, when I went to the States, um, in the first year, some, sometime in the first year, I, uh, I went out with some officials, WCW officials to a dance club. And they, in the States, it just started to, with all the techno and stuff like that. And, you know, I did my dance. And they said, hey, hey, kid, what are you doing there? That's very unique and stuff like that. I said, yeah, I, you know, that's how we dance in Germany or how I danced in Germany. And, uh, and they said, okay, from now on, you're going to start doing the dance uh, in the ring. And I said, what? Why? <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> they said, yeah, well, now, now you have to do it. So, you know, since, since I'm being a pro, you know, I did what I said and, on one hand, it was really, really good to dance because it made me uh, unique. And uh, a lot of people recognized me very soon on the streets and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, even 20 years after that, people still remember me, you know, for the dance and for the wrestling. And um, that's uh, very special because usually when you're off TV six months, they people forget you, you know. So I guess the dance uh, uh, helped me to stay in their memories. And uh, on the other hand, the bad side of the, of the dance was that I had a hard time that the hardcore fans looked past the dancing, looked at my wrestling abilities. So, you know, some people like it, some people didn't like it, but uh, it was definitely entertaining. <laughs> It's um, it is one of those things that you know. E even now, when we, I mean, we watch WCW all the time still. Um, mainly on our channel on YouTube, we watch older events and then we review them retrospectively. Um, and we so we end up watching quite a lot of wrestling, um, especially the older WCW stuff. And it still brings a smile to our face, whether you were a baby face doing the dance. Um, and everybody's clapping and dancing in the crowd as well, or whether you were a heel and it was just pissing people off, you know, it was either way, it, it worked great. Yeah, it, it always worked. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it were, it really worked very well being a heel. I mean, I really enjoyed working as a heel and being a heel and the dance fit was better for being a heel. I think, yeah, it, it worked better being a heel. Anyway, um, at the age of 25, I, uh, I thought being a, be being a heel is much better, you know. It's much easier being a heel anyway, especially if you're a foreigner in the States, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, even in, uh, you know, like uh, I watched this the other day, I've done, I watch a lot of VHS and I had Rhodes Wild, 1998. Okay. And, uh, I, I'm not sure if I ever remember you doing any other hardcore matches kind of apart from that one with the public enemy. Yeah. That, I think that, no, I had, um, I worked Sabu 
on Nitro. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. It wasn't a hardcore match, but I went through the table, you know. <laughs> yeah. Was that his debut? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So he was a really good guy. I mean, most of the guys in WCW didn't want to work him because um, they were afraid to work on him that they get injured or whatever. But really cool guy. And uh, I really enjoyed working him. You know, I mean, he's a crazy guy, <laughs> but, you know, it was fun working him, yeah. And Public Enemy in uh, Road Wild in Sturgis. Yeah. That was uh, a match which uh, stayed in my memory because it was so hot that nobody of us wanted to take a bump on that, on the plastic in, in the middle of the ring because you got burned as soon as you touched it. And the stuff what we had in our match, the hardcore, you know, stuff like we had some metal stuff and whatever, the sun heated it so much up when you when you try to pick it up, you burn your fingers. I mean, it was really bad. That's, uh, wow, that's, that's so nice. crazy. I literally, I, I was watching it last <laughs> night and, um, you know, it, we, we always like to watch stuff back, you know, before we interview people, because, you know, we've watched all this stuff when we were growing up, but obviously as a refresher, and it's, it's crazy because like you say, the, the middle of the ring had like the vinyl, um, exactly, you know, the, yeah. the, the plastic in the middle of the ring and man, it did look hot there. Like the it, sun it was. was yeah. I was right before my entrance, I was standing behind the curtain. I was just dripping from sweat as uh, just like I was under the shower. It was so unbelievable hot. It's, <laughs> it was, was a great place to work at. I mean, it was very, um, with all the motorcycles around the ring and stuff like that. It was really cool. Um, how did uh, Tokyo Magnum get involved with you and Disco? Uh, I, I'm, I really can't recall. I think Hattori brought him in. And... Um, I don't know if it was maybe Disco's idea or somebody's idea, you know, to bring him in. Um, I have no clue, but it was a really funny stuff he did in Tokyo Magnum. He was a good guy. Yeah, his dancing was fantastic as well, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a really good dancer also, yeah. So, I mean, like, like you guys were working Hill really during that match and it was it i think you worked you did work really good as a heel because the dancing in between moves the mocking people it yeah. was great stuff yeah it was was easy working uh, as a heel um you know doing the dance and stuff like that i mean one time we worked uh, eddie guerrero and uh, chavo guerrero in uh, el paso texas and um Beforehand, we bought ourselves sombreros and we wore them while we're doing our entrance. And as soon as we hit the ring, we dropped the sombreros and started doing our dance on the sombreros. And I think the crowd didn't like it because mostly being Mexican in the crowd, you know, and yeah. they were so pissed off. The light went out and the audience tried to hit the ring and, you know, <laughs> good sombrero <laughs> Jordan, yeah. just like that and it was so a dangerous situation that Eddie grabbed the mic and said to the crowd hey listen it's just entertainment we like those guys they're our friends they're just pretending you know wow and, uh, crazy. Yeah, we had a lot of heat there but then Super after that heat. we were all cool so Eddie and Chavo saved our ass that night. <laughs>
Um, Alex, I don't think I'll ever have the chance to ask anyone that ever took part in one of these things. So the 60-man battle royals at World War Three. I personally, whenever I watch them, my head goes crazy with all the camera cuts and the split screen stuff, and I can't watch it. It's so, it's so like, it's in my head. I just can't do it. Like, how was it for someone being in the ring at the time? Well, it was something really special. I mean, a one-time thing in my career. So it was, it's really memorable. I mean, I, unbelievable how many talent we had in the ring. But also on the other side, it was very, um, how we say that in English, uh, for for uh, being for taking taking part in one of uh, in that um, battle royal. Um, there were so many guys you 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 were like totally confused in the ring. You you didn't know where to watch, where to hit, where to, what to do next. I mean, it was really crazy. So uh, yeah. I, it was a, a great experience, but one time is enough for me. I rather, <laughs> I rather being in a singles match and, you know, no, I have space around me and stuff like that. But, you know, being in that, you know, that's history. So I'm very thankful for that also. There, there was a huge amount of talent um, in WCW at one time, you know, the, the pure amount of, great workers that were there and, and the amount of guys that you were able to work with was just... Well, at the high times, WCW had 250 wrestlers under contract. 250? Yeah. And wow. some of the guys I never saw, they just collected the paycheck. So that's probably one reason why WCW, you know, went down. <laughs> when I started in WCW, they only had 25 wrestlers under contract. Wow. Uh, so I think it was just too much for the company, you know. I mean, I, I, even even being a WCW Nitro show being uh, three hours, you couldn't fit all those guys on one show. So why have them under contract? Yeah. That's uh, I mean, 250 is an astronomical number. Yeah, especially there were guys, they, they got like, paid like 250 grand a year and you never saw him at a show so that's not a very business smart i i think right yeah i mean for the for the guy collecting the paycheck is very of course smart. Uh, yeah. you know he was happy you know i, I i'm just uh, talking from a business standpoint yeah. from the company <laughs> you know i mean i think it would have been better if if uh, wcw would have continued being wcw instead of being bought by wwe you know mm. Well, we, we've often speculated if maybe it would have been better that WWE, after they bought them, would have just let the promotion carry on as WCW to keep maybe the illusion that it was a separate company because we, we did a review of uh, the pay-per-view greed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that was the WCW's last pay-per-view. Last one, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the wrestling in the ring was, I mean, you, you had guys that were coming in, you had like AJ Styles and Air Paris um, yeah, Actually, uh, AJ Styles and Air Paris, they worked the first match in WCW against me in Disco I remember, yeah totally. it's, um, and you both worked your asses off in that match as yeah. well Yeah. Um, 
it was it was a, a, a fantastic match. I've actually um I've actually got that written in my notes. Um, AJ Styles. Um, I mean, and I think you put them over as well, right? In that match. I put many guys over, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a heel, you put a lot of guys over. But it's a funny yeah. thing. Most of the people that joined WCW when they came in, they, they the first match they wrestled against me. Yeah. Tris, Tris Jericho, Sabu, you know, AJ. I mean, a lot of people. That's right. And I, I've actually got that in my notes as well, that when guys were coming in, you were given them. And I think that is just a testament to how the people there understood how good you really are in the ring, Alex. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to give these guys their first shot, um, you know, with, with someone who's not very good or, you know, not able to carry a match and tell a story. And, and well, I hope so. That was the reason. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Oh, no, 100%, 100% man. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's easy to see. I mean, even the fact that um, when Scott Hall was chucked out of the NWO yeah. and he was in between. So he was chucked out of the red, the white and black, the NWO. And right. he, his, his first match as he was on his own was against you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And it was a, a bloody good match as well. It really was. It was, you know, it, it told the story. Um, but also, I mean, they, it wasn't a squash or anything. I mean, cause you're a big guy and you, you got a lot in and, you know, but it helped um, Scott Hall kind of progress after the NWO. Exactly. So that yeah. again, you were just, you were fantastic for, for, for helping guys out. Well, I knew Scott Hall um, when he was Texas Scott. He worked for CWA beforehand in, in uh, Germany against my dad. So a lot of guys I knew beforehand, you know, so it was easy. You know, it's like doing sports with your friends or colleagues, you know, <laughs> Did, did you um just out of interest? Did you know um Loch Ness, aka Giant Haystacks, before? Of course, yeah. Yeah. They all those guys like Bader, Loch Ness, Finley, uh, Dave Taylor, Regal. Yeah. They knew me when I was a little, you know, little kid, like eight years old and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in the sport, and that you know, um, it was. Uh, was nice uh, seeing all those people which I knew, and uh, it was even nicer that I was able to wrestle them now. You know, it's very so good. Um, Alex, what did you think of the NWO? Well, I think it was a very good and very smart business move to establish this kind of group. I mean, uh, they made a lot of money on it, and. Uh, the, the people, I mean, the audience, they really liked the storylines, the storyline. And uh, of course, uh, Hogan was very smart doing it because before that, you know, the, the, the audience really, they, they didn't want to see him anymore. I mean, as soon as his music played and Hogan came out, you know, the people just reacted really bad. And um, they didn't want to see him anymore. And he was that smart. Uh, much respect for that, that he just switched his whole character and developed NWO. And um, he really represented that the NWO thing really great. I mean, you could tell he's a great entertainer and, a, you know, I mean, it was very, very good stuff. 
even I wasn't part of it, but you know that I'm. I think that had a, uh, other reasons because I'm a very how you see. I, I always speak of my mind, <laughs> and <laughs> that's not always. Uh, you know, officials don't like that always if you speak of your mind. So yeah. I was probably saying, hey. <laughs> Kind of, how you say, strafe, um, punishment, kind of words. Yeah, yeah, but it's not always best to speak your mind because then, uh, you know, it's you, you sometimes then get pushed a little away. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, I, my my dad dressed me like that, and uh, I'm that much self confident at that time that if they just would fire me, I just went to you know to WWE or to. Uh, um, to uh, New Japan or whatever. So, did did you ever feel like you were being punished in WCW for anything? Uh, there were a couple times, yeah. You know, because they, sometimes they took me off TV for a while, or they just I, I got a losing streak. You know, but hey, that that just works for guys who have a big ego, uh, which they. You know, there's different guys in the business. You know, guys, they just like the lifestyle and they like the wrestling because it's a sport. And But there's also guys in there that get a really big head and a really big ego. And when they have to lose, you know, they get really depressed and stuff like that. But it didn't matter if I lose or, or, or win. For me, it was important to step in the ring, you know, being in front of the audience, have good matches and stuff like that. So... If that would, if they thought that's a punishment for me, that it wasn't a punishment for me. The only punishment for me is if, if they would take me off uh, uh, of of the roster and I'm not allowed to wrestle, you know. Yeah. But when when I was off TV, I still worked on the house shows and stuff like that. So, and I, I got a I got a really good paycheck anyway. So, <laughs> I'm a pro, you know. If they want to do that, that's that's it, you know. That um, talking about guys that don't want to lose, um, <laughs> for a second, can we talk about uh, Buff Bagwell with you for a sec? Yeah. Because there is some talk about when, when you um, debuted as Berlin, that you were you were supposed to, I think, um, fight uh, Buff Bagwell, right? Yeah. Yes. And it was for whatever reason. I mean, we've had uh, Sonny Ono on the podcast and we've spoken to Sonny. Um, about some stuff that happened backstage, actually at a Rhodes Wild, I think was it '97, Jordan or '99? I think '99. Yeah. Um, where basically um, Ernest Miller was um, wrestling against Buff Bagwell, and Buff didn't want to lose, and there was an altercation or whatever, and the cat said, "You know, all right, fuck it. We you know we'll lose. We don't care. You know, right. but you know, let's just do it this way or whatever." Um, right. But, um, you know, what, what was the story? Because you ended up um, wrestling Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, it, it was a, a bit of an odd match, to say the least, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the thing is that uh, Bagwell is a really nice uh, guy and a good guy. I mean, he really helps people. You know, when I came over to the States, he really helped me a lot, you know? And um, that he refused to uh, lose to me, I did not take that personally because it it hasn't it has not to do anything with me. It had to do with his status, 
in the company and what they promised him to do with him. So it was a business decision. Right. Okay. Of course, it was bad for for my uh, storyline, which, but I I could understand him why he had problems with the office because. Like I said, if the if the office always tells you, "Hey, we're gonna do this with you, we're gonna do this with you," and that suddenly they say, tell him, "Hey, now you have to lose against this guy," you know, with the new character, then you know, of course he's is he's not very happy about that. And at that point, it already was the transition from uh, uh, WCW to you know uh, Vince Russo area and all that stuff, you know. And everybody was afraid of their status and of their job. And they didn't know if the com company would still exist in two months or whatever, you know. So everybody looked out for themselves and looked for their status. Because if the status is good, you get a better contract in the other company. You know, if your status is bad, you get, a, you know, not a good contract. So um, it was a really tough time backstage anyway. The, the morale was bad. And... Um, yeah, I, I'm really not mad at him or anything like that. I mean, he's, he, like I said, I mean, of course, he's he's a very self-confident person, <laughs> a diva, I would say, you know. Yeah. But he he he's really a good guy, also, you know. I mean, um, so uh, I would say I'm I'm still friends with him. So um, it was just the time really bad for this storyline i mean i i should have saved berlin for wwe i shouldn't debut in in, uh, in wcw that was a stupid business decision of myself you know i mean uh, going like pushing forward a little bit then we'll, we'll go back afterwards but going forward um the berlin character um, I think that would that would have been a great character. I mean, it pissed people off instantly. Um, the fact that you were only speaking German, um, yeah. that, and it it just made people angry. Yeah, that, it had a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, um, all the sheets and all the, 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 the audience, all the they really said that's one of the best gimmicks uh, WCW brought out for a long time. But hey, um, Vince Russo didn't want to take the ideas for which Eric Bischoff started. And um, yeah, it was just bad luck, you know. That's, that's the, yeah, it was just bad timing of myself. I should have saved it for WWE and they would have made it a real big deal, I, I, I'm sure. Well, I mean, you look at the time, you know, it would have definitely gone over um in wwe i mean i can even see in in ecw that would have been fantastic yeah probably yeah 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 but at that time ecw wasn't that um um how you say the financial standing wasn't that good anymore in, in ecw at that time anymore yeah uh yeah 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 i don't, I don't... I don't think there was a lot of times where ECW's financial standing was any good anyway, but... Yeah, true. They all, they, they, all, of, all the workers, they had a lot of passion, you know, working yeah. for Paul Heyman. You know, it was a, it was a really good Trump, uh, company and something really special, I would say, yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry, Jordan, you got... No, I was just going to ask, um, did, um, did WWF or WWE call any other times 
before the end of WCW? Did they try and bring you over beforehand? Well, um, directly they they didn't approach me, but I heard from a lot of people that they they had big interest in bringing me in. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's just the, the European thing that you're very loyal and very grateful for your chances. And, you know, WCW always treated me good. I, I, I made really good money, you know, as a young kid. I got to travel the world. I got to wrestle the best of the world, my colleagues. You know, I had a lot of fun. And uh, I, uh, I just wanted to be loyal to the company, you know. If, if that is smart or not, I don't know, you know, probably a lot of people would say that's not very business smart, but um, that's just my thing, you know. And um, um, after WWE bought WCW, they couldn't buy my contract because I was, I had a contract directly with Time Warner. One of the few contracts that WCW gave out. Um, so I, I had a special thing going on there also, like I think uh, Kevin Nash had a contract like that, DDP had a contract like that, Goldberg, you know, and I was one of the guys also who had a contract like that. And they couldn't buy out my contract, uh, WCW, uh, WWE, um, and what they offered me wasn't enough. So I said, no, I, I'm going to sit out my contract. And um, at that time, you know, I was straight, being straight uh, on the road for, I don't know, nine years there, almost, in, in WCW. And um, I was totally burned out, you know, physically and mentally. And you know, I didn't want to end up like some of my colleagues. So I decided to, well, I have to go back to my roots, move back to Germany for a while to, you know, get, you know, uh, get a better feeling of myself again. And during the first year, WWE contacted me twice directly. And they said, hey, listen, are you interested in, you know, coming to WWE? And I said, well, I'm very honored and very thankful. But like I said, at the beginning of the interview, if I step in the ring, I want to give 100% for the audience, 100% for the promoter and 100% for myself. And if I can't do it, I have to say no. Mm. And that was the reason why I, why I said twice no to the WWE. And if you say twice no, of course, WWE calls, won't call you again. <laughs> then you have to approach them. But it worked out for me. I mean, I, I never really retired. I, I just, you know, I, I, I love the sport. And um, I, I never did, I, I never wrestled because of the money. I always just... I, I, you know, I grew up in the sport. I like lifestyle. I like, you know, being in ring and, you know, doing that sport. And I wanted to help young talents in Germany and in Europe to get a good quality um, a professional apprenticeship in wrestling. And uh, that's why I decided to, you know, start the wrestling school. And it went so big. And the, the company, the, my promotion, New European Championship Wrestling, when, you know, we had, us, we had three TV deals going on in Germany. One was uh, Fightbox HD, which aired in, five, uh, in 22 countries. So we had, we had a really good run over here. And I, I just did not have the time to go back myself to wrestling. So I stayed here in Germany and 
you know, all those young kids have the same dream like I had, and uh, I want to help them to, you know, live their dream. And, you know, Fabian Eichner, NXT, he was my student. He's doing really good, you know, over there. That's, um... So what we're hearing is that Alex Wright isn't retired and there's a chance he could still work another tour in the UK. I could work a tour anywhere, but uh, it would be great in the UK, of course. Oh, <laughs> you're going to make me dance, Alex. A lot of family lives in the UK, you know, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, you, it's uh, it's funny because um, your dad was actually trained by Ted Betley. Um, is that right? Exactly, yes. And, you know, he trained the Dynamite Kid, the Bulldogs. Um, and it, it's funny how actually your uncle, I think, uh, wrestled Davey Boy Smith in his TV debut when Davey was like 15. It could be, yeah. Could be, yeah. You, you there, talk about Bernard, Bernard, my uncle, yes. That's right, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, he went to um, Canada as well, didn't he? And uh, was Bearcat. Yes, exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, so my whole family is crazy and into wrestling, yes. <laughs> yeah. My son is wrestling also, so. Oh, wow, okay. we might have a, 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 a DWO, the Deutsche World Order. <laughs> no, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that's a good idea yeah maybe not the conversation maybe well i'll tell you what right when, when your dad came over to the uk again and he was a ball blitzer and he won the championship um he was actually doing the uh a specific walk that really pissed the uk fans off yeah i know i know i know yeah, but that's a long time ago. Nowadays, you can't do that anymore. No, but it yeah. was it was super white hot heat. That was, yeah. you know, and he actually won with a, a Tombstone Power Driver. Yeah, um, I think that, it was like, was it against Marty Jones, I think? Yes, right. It was a, a fantastic match, Alex. It was just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, really yeah. good stuff. Yeah, two great workers in, in the ring, yeah. Really, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is something else that's... Uh, that, won't um it definitely hasn't escaped us but you're one of very few people to be undefeated against triple h on pay-per-view yeah that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> how was it working with a young uh a young paul uh it was fun i mean we started out uh about the same time in wcw and he was hungry and I was hungry and we wanted to show what we can do. And uh, it was always fun working with him. Yeah, it was a good time. Really easy working with him. It's a very good match as well. If it, you know, For those that haven't seen it's, it. It's, uh... it's on the network. I watched it twice it, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly. It's, it... You know, I, I think it was a, a good match, but... I, great match i wouldn't say you know i still i still was learning at the time you know i still developed you know turning into a man you know i was you know, i was like 18 years old you know i mean it was good basic but i think down the road like when i was like 25 i was much more um secure in the ring what i did you know i I still think you, some of your early matches where you, when you were really young, that the one that stands out to me is the Pillman match. Um, it was just phenomenal. You know, um, you, you were really young in, in that match. I think it was maybe 1995. Yeah. So 
How old would you have been? 20, 19? 19, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was just a fantastic match, you know, and the way you guys, you know, you shook hands at the beginning, you hugged at the end as well. You had Heenan calling you the wonder punk. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just, it just absolutely fantastic, you know, and again, it was first match on the card, um, just really set the scene, got the crowd going. Um, you know, I, I think because you'd been wrestling since you were like, God knows how old, you know, you just, the, the, the way you moved in the ring, you knew your way around the ring. So right. even though you were young, you were still bloody good at 18, you know? Thank you very much. I, I, I remember that match and I really enjoyed working with Pillman. The only thing I would, would, would I still very mad at myself is that I didn't, I wasn't able to pull the surfboard he fought, he fell off and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, I was really mad at myself. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I did I couldn't, I can't remember that. And it's how many years ago now? Almost 24 years or something. Like yeah. That. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm old now. Shit. <laughs> I, I remember the British Bulldog match that you had with Davy Boy Smith as well. And he put you in the surfboard and he was like moving his legs up and down. It was right. another great kind of british style well, kind so of match the, the surfboard is very hard to do and you 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 are very um dependent on the guy who you pick up yeah you know if, if the, the the tension in that body is not enough then it doesn't work so it's it's the same as that move um that we learned when we were training we learned the surfboard obviously being british we learn all those kind of moves but also the move where both of you bridge to stand up Right, 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 right. And that again, you have to work together really hard to get yeah, that it's to. Very tough, yeah. You know, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. Not a body control, yeah. Yeah. But I, I guess I was too, uh, how do you say, too. Huh, hectic doing it in that moment. Probably it didn't work. That, that was probably the reason why it didn't work. You were a little bit excited, do you think? Uh, a little bit is <laughs> very excited to being being in the ring you know you know Pillman had a very good uh, reputation that he's a very good worker and a high flyer you know it was a very important match for myself so yeah, yeah. it's a lot of pressure you know oh. I mean I, all my 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 uh, the guys on my roster in, in my company they always tell me, oh, my God, a lot of pressure. And this is pressure and that is pressure. And I said, hey, hey, listen, guys, I had to perform in front of millions live, you know. And uh, my my boss was sitting right beside there. And after the match, they always check the ratings in your segment if, if your ratings went down or up. And if it went down a few times, then, they, you know, you're off TV. So I said, you have to... You know, you have to learn to live with the pressure if you want to really uh, be competitive and work your way up in the big companies. Yeah, I mean, that that match, great American bash, first match against Brian Pillman. The pressure must have just been unreal, man. Yeah, first match is always very important on a show, you know. Yeah. I mean, if, if the first match is the shits, then you can kill the crowd for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. How was it um, working in Japan in the uh, best super tournament and stuff like that? 
I really enjoyed it because I liked that kind of style, you know. I like more the, the sport, you know, this, this physical, solid working. And um, of course, my dad worked a lot of times over there. So it was very hard um, because they had a lot of expectations, you know. Uh, because I was trained by my dad and my dad had a very big name, you know, working with Noki and working with all those guys like just, uh, uh, Tiger Mask and stuff like that, you know. And also he, my, my dad had a very big reputation as a shooter, you know. And um, so, you know, I, I had to show if I can follow in his footsteps. And um, I, I really like Japan. I like the country, I like uh, the people, they're very respectful, you know, they, they, they respect the sport and the, the, the athletes and, um, but it was a very hard tour. I, I tore my, my ligament my, from my knee inside, right at the half of the tour and I kept wrestling with it and I broke my, how do you say, my uh, vertebrae in, in the back. Oh, wow. Yeah, not all the way through, but somebody gave me a German suplex and he didn't bridge enough. So I landed right with my uh, spinal. Spinal? Yeah, on his head. No, on his chin. On, on his, his chin, head. yeah. Oh. Yeah, I kept working with that. And then uh, I remember a night where I, I, <laughs> I wrestled Benoit and uh, he gave me a, a suplex from inside the ring outside. And... I planned to land on my feet, but somehow I didn't manage it. And I, I landed flat on my back on a concrete and I had to continue 20 more minutes. So I was very tough. And, uh, but I had a lot of great, I have a lot of great memories from, from Champagne. You know, I met Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko my first time over there. Um, I mean, and I learned a lot of, from them and, uh, you know, I, I met Hawk um, over there, great guy. And it was really an experience and um, I wouldn't want to miss that experience. I mean, it was really good times over there. Different than the States, but uh, very, very special, very good. Do you, um, do you think that um, being trained in the kind of British style helped a bit more um, translating over to Japan? They're a bit more yeah, maybe definitely, receptive definitely. Because, to it? Because, you know, all the UK guys there are, I would say, one of the best in techniques in the whole world. You know, I mean, you know, when, when you, have, you book a UK wrestler that he can work, you know, and... Um, in Japan, they have a lot of technique also. So technique and technique works very well together. If you do not have technique and you go over to, to Japan, you're really, you have to watch your ass because they just eat you up if you don't fight back. Uh, and it's, it's also to, for an advantage uh, to be a sound technical wrestler if, if you also, you know, go to uh, Mexico, stuff like that. It really helps. I mean, it helps you anywhere in the world, but sure. there especially, you know. So I'm very, again, I'm very thankful and grateful to my dad that he, you know, teach me all that stuff. 
I, I, I never had any worries when I went to a country or different uh, uh, um, promotion or I wrestled in, a, in a different opponents that I'm that I have would that I uh, would have problems in the ring because I, I you know I met guys in the, in, in the business they were pros but they always had fear in stepping in the ring in some countries or with some opponents you know because they weren't secure with their knowledge about wrestling so plus i did amateur wrestling for a long long time in, in germany and of course my dad le learned me all the submission and shoot wrestling so i feel very comfortable in any situation so if, if anyone tried any kind of shit you know you could probably uh, get yourself out of it yeah or defend myself yeah yeah exactly. That's right. Uh, Alex, um, the, uh, there was one thing we sort of looked for before we uh, before speaking to you, and that's how come there wasn't that much Alex Wright merchandise? Well, I, you know, I at the beginning, I had a lot of merchandise. I mean, I had the action figure, I had cars, I had... Um, I was on the games, I was on the cards. I mean, there was a, enough merchandise. And uh, the only thing I did not have were t-shirts. Were but I think it was because the WCW office was under the impression that um, a German guy wouldn't sell good enough merchandise in the States. And they did not make foreign countries to their priority in marketing so i i don't know why they, you would have to ask some different people yeah. why who, who made the decisions but um yeah well i, don't know. I mean was, in in the uk we didn't get much um you know we wcw stuff we got in the early 90s, we got the Galoob um, mm. figures, but mm. that was just before you were there. And then right. after that, between then and about 1998 or something, we didn't yeah. get anything. No, um, because I think that the American companies really did not take the European market for, for not, it's not serious enough, you know? It wasn't a prior priority. I mean, that's what pissed off the fans here in Germany that uh, WCW or WWE just came over one or twice a year, just for mm. two or three days. Yeah. It was a very bad entertainment, like sound and light equipment and stuff like that. And it's just very low budget. And um, yeah, that was, I think, a big mistake because I think uh, Europe is a very big market and... It, especially UK, of course. I mean, nowadays it's different, you know, but mm. at that time. But like I said, you would have to ask uh, the, the head of merchandise why <laughs> no, no merchandise t-shirt. Yeah, why didn't we have an Achtung Achtung t-shirt available? Well, now, you know, now, now good, I, yeah. I, just uh, last year, or was it this year, a company approached me and they, uh, they produce an action figure again of me in the Legend series. <laughs> Oh, wow. So this is coming out in uh, probably end of uh, this year, depending 
how all these things uh, with Corona are developing. Yeah, I see you have a lot of action figures back there, huh? <laughs> yeah, man, I got, I, I've actually got your card as well from the, um, from this series, from the WCW NWO right, exactly, trading cards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got your one in my folder, but I've also got this from the stickers. Um, oh, I, I don't, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> I'll send you this, man. I will. I will gladly send no, you that. No, no, no. That's okay. Keep, just keep it. <laughs> maybe That's nice I'll, of you. Maybe I'll send it to you. Maybe you can sign it for me. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to get a little cheeky one in there somehow. It's uh, it's very strange. Like um, WCW in the UK, like we had Nitro. We didn't we didn't get Thunder. We didn't get the pay per view. So as as a as a youngster, I. You know, in my house, we had satellite TV and stuff like that. So I had to watch WCW pay-per-views on DSF. So yeah. all my WCW pay-per-view watching when I was, you know, 9, 10, 11 was all in German. I didn't I didn't get to watch them with... Uh, so you should be able to speak German now. Kannst have... du mich verstehen? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was too young to understand what was going on with the country. I was just trying to... Right, right. Happened. But it was, uh, yeah, it was very... It was very um, very strange like for, for me to well for anyone way for us to watch you know wcw pay-per-views but it seemed like they had a better they had more more of it than than we did over here because we just had nitro um on yeah they, they aired also wcw worldwide and stuff like that matches you know and yeah I, well that's also that's all business between managements and you know how much money they pay WCW for airing their product and stuff like that. But you know. Did you know that you were very heavily featured on the adverts for DSF though? Um, not really, uh, but I, I would guess it's smart to do because yeah. I was the only German guy, right? <laughs> so yeah, no, actually, I, I remember the producer told me once, head of uh, head of DSF, he said. I had the highest rating ever in uh, in DSF was it was like for German uh, um, TV was like 1.1 million rating in, in when I had my match so that was very good to know but compared to the states where, where you had like 30 millions it was you know nothing really was it um is it true as well that your dad did um a WCW highlight show my dad? Yeah. No. Oh, no. You, no, I, no, no, no. You, 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 probably you mean he, he, he trained a German comedian, a star in Germany, a TV comedian. Right. He trained him uh, to, he trained him re wrestling to, so that he can have a match against me. That, oh, really? Comedian. Wow. Yeah. Where can we see that? Oh, please. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not that pure. it's just a pure entertaining match there's no uh yeah i mean it's it's a it's a funny match and, and but i was very pissed at that moment because it was you know wcw was the first i think was the first pay-per-view wcw did out of germany and in, instead of giving me a, a really legit good opponent yeah. like an eddie guerrero or whoever you know uh, they gave me a comedian and that comedian you know he 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 trained maybe two weeks and he hardly could take a, a body slam <laughs> so i mean he's a nice guy but it was i, I would have liked to show my home country 
a good match. And it was against Tom Gerhardt, by the way. Would, would it have been so hard for him to give you a title shot that night? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, well, actually, I had, I had a title match uh, for the tag team titles in Germany, I think. Was it? Yeah, in Germany. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing that always struck me with you as well was even if you were kind of, you know, when you were paired up with Disco Inferno and it was kind of on the comedy kind of end of the spectrum, you still would have... I mean, you had fantastic matches where you literally carried whole matches, like Halloween Havoc 2000, where you had the three-way tag team match. Mm -hmm. um, you were just phenomenal in that match, man. You were just like fucking business, baby. You were like really working your ass off and just controlling the match. Um, well, well, that's what you have to do. If you, I didn't want to drift too much in comedy. You yeah. Know? Because that, that was the... Uh, how do you say that in English? Uh, the, the threat is that right where there was, if you teaming with Disco, he's really into entertainment, you know, and you had to stop him sometimes so the people still take us serious enough in the ring, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed working with Disco in a tag because, like I said, he was a very funny guy. I, I, he, I traveled the road with him and um, yeah, that match, I, I can remember, it was a good match. I really enjoyed that also. It was that a was, good match. I think, was, uh, I think, was it called, uh, um, Mysterio in that match also? Yeah, um, it? yeah, it was. Yeah, um, Mysterio and, was it Perry Saturn? No? Uh, I think Kidman. Kidman, Kidman it was, Kidman, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mysterio, yeah. Kidman, and, um, and, and uh, you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was... You were you were just phenomenal in that match. It was just really 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 good. Um, we we actually watched a pay per view where we were watching a Disco Inferno match. And the thing with Disco is as well, he could work. Like he really could work. Yeah. He really yeah. could work. Like he had the look, and he really could work. And Jordan, who was it against? Was it against DDP or someone? If a title match, oh, it was Dean Malenko, I think. Dean Malenko, yeah, yeah. yeah Dean it Malenko. was Dean Dean Malenko versus um. Disco Inferno and like he, Disco was doing phenomenal, you know, but then he obviously would stop and do the dancing and that. And then they'd be like, look, cover him, you know, cover, you know. Yeah, but yeah, it well, was that, good. Yeah, that's, that's what I said before that a lot of uh, hardcore fans didn't look, look past the dancing. They didn't look past the dancing uh, in, in my uh, situation. And also uh, Disco had the same problem, you know. It took a little bit away from the seriousness. You know, if I would have walked out straight with, with a mean uh, look and a very poker face on my face, you know, walk out to the entrance, it would have probably been different, but it wouldn't be that entertaining. And I think in the entertainment industry, it's very important to be, to be a total package, you know? And since I wasn't one of the heavy guys, I mean, I, I had like, I was around uh, 105 kilos, um, it was good that I did the dancing because it made, made me unique, you know. And um, I didn't want to take to any illegal illegal stuff, you know, to get like 20 more kilos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do you ever think, I mean, 
can I ask you? It's quite a a, a a weird question. Maybe you can tell me to shut up if you want. But as as a heel, I think you could have been absolutely fantastic with a little bit more difference in the booking. If they would have just you know an in between between the Alex Wright dancing heel and Berlin, where you you know when you're working like the the dancing falls or whatever it was, the um, boogie night. Sorry. Um, you know, where you had that meaner look, you know, I think as yeah, a singles wrestler, as a heel, you could have gone that full right. This is it now. I'm not your smiling, happy dancing boy anymore. I'm going to speak German all the time. You're all right, right, Spinehunds, right. you know, or whatever, you know. Well, you... I, I was worried. Uh, actually, before we went, before the Boogie Nights uh, happened, um, it was a plan to go in that direction because they wanted to make me as the youngest U.S. title champion. Uh, that was a time when when Deborah McMichael was my managing me on my right. side. Um, but then I had that big injury where I I had the bleeding in my head and uh, I got blind, and I had to take a break, you know. And at, the, at that time, I didn't know if I ever going to be able to go back to wrestling. And uh, that was very, you know, that was life. I mean, that was fate. Because at that moment, the booker said, hey, listen, we're going to give you a really huge push. You're going you're gonna to be the, the youngest US title champion. And after that, we're going to make you walk towards the big championship. And well, happened that, you know. And... Uh, what was the other thing? What I wanted to say, um, Berlin. There was a big problem. Oh yeah, and and the, the the Berlin thing had a lot of potential, but what they did wrong, booking wise, was that they tried to sell the audience that I was a different guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, instead of having a storyline, why I developed to this guy, and it was you know so the people could understand out there and make a story out of it. Yeah. Instead of they try to sell it as I was a new wrestler and a new guy, and you know people are not stupid, so that was a big mistake there from the from the booking. Oh. That that was what I was thinking. You know, it, it could have been a great transition from you saying, "Right, that's it." You know, exactly. no more uh, Wonderkind. You know, he's gone. He's dead. You know, he, this is I'm I'm fed up now. I'm pissed off with all. This, exactly. this, and this, and now you could be a bit more hardcore. You know, maybe, you know, you had uh, the wall, didn't you, as your bodyguard? Yeah, bodyguard. You know, and um, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it could have been a lot more than it was, but like you say, unfortunately, in wrestling, sometimes things just for whatever reason, most of the time, it's to do with the bookers. Um, they yeah, back, all... backstage politics, you know, a lot of times, and um, yeah in the time where Vince Russo came into the company, you know, it changed a lot. And uh, he, he really, like I said before, he did not want to take any ideas which uh, Eric started. And that Berlin was under Eric, so Berlin was kicked out, you know. So, I mean, that's a shame. Like I said, like all the uh, elements and components were there for Berlin to be successful. In my mind, it, also, it almost sort of, if I'm going to bring it to anything for anyone that's not seen Berlin stuff, it would be be Rusev. Yes, it would be a lot like, like similar to that sort of style, like yeah, you know, yeah, someone yeah. talking. You know, Rusev didn't 
or Miro, whatever you want to call him now, he didn't speak he didn't speak English in his you know interviews promos. He had Lam exactly. doing it for him, and yeah, it was uh, yeah, yeah that's was, how I would uh, tell. But, I would you know that that's life. You know, I mean, what, what can you do? I mean, um, it's 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 the past, but uh, also it's it's experience, and I enjoyed doing it at the time. You know, it was like a nine months or a year I, I did that gimmick and after that it was boogie nights and uh, I had fun there also you know I was just very happy and also again very grateful that uh, I was able to see again and step back in the ring so everything else was not very important to me was it um a specific moment or a specific um impact to the head that caused the bleeding if you don't mind me asking was it or was it a build-up of 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 headshots or or what what was it it was a build-up build-up um i knew they wanted to give me a real big push and uh i kept wrestling with a lot of injuries and a few concussions and if you don't give your head if you if you if your brain doesn't get enough time to regenerate yeah. Then it builds up and builds up, and the pressure was getting higher and higher. And um, if if you say to 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 the office, hey, listen, I need a break. They of course they say, okay, we write you out of TV. There's a there's an important reason, but coming back into the show again, it's very hard. You lose your spot, and there's a lot of other wrestlers. They would take that spot, you know. So I didn't want to lose my spot on the show. So I did not mentioned that to the WCW office and uh, I kept wrestling and uh, the I remember I, I got married on 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 I bought a house on Thursday on Friday I got married I flew to for to I did on Saturday a house show and Sunday I had the pay, uh, pay-per-view and Monday I, I had Nitro and I felt really weird and I, I you know, I feel I felt sick and had a lot of really bad headache. And um, I mean, it was so bad, I, I almost couldn't walk. But, you know, the show must go on. And so I, I did the match with Prince IK on Nitro. And during the match, he gave me an Inzugiri kick to the head. And that was the final straw for it, I guess. And my blood vessel popped. And, and during the match, I started getting blind. And I... I, I kept continue the match and as as soon as I, as soon as i walked through the curtain i was totally blind yeah wow that's it and then they 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 told me in the in the in the hospital they said yeah um that's it your career is over and that was the hardest phone call i ever had to make to call my just you know my new wife or how you say just married wife yeah i said hey listen um i'm blind i can't wrestle anymore i was like 21 years old at that time heavy was heavy yeah and then they uh, i had to lay a week straight um i I was not allowed to move and then they performed an an, a test where they they cut your your artery open uh, by your uh, how do you say where your hip is down there, where your leg, you know, yeah. and then they push a, a a very long plastic tube through your body while you're awake, <laughs> and they push it through my brain, and then they tested it, and then 
I was lucky. My my body absorbed the blood, and the blood vessel uh, was closed. And um, they said, "Okay, still you're not allowed to wrestle." And after that, I had to stay in my home. I had to lay flat one month in a dark room. I wasn't allowed to move. And then I started. I said, "Well, I I said, but you know, if you, if you love something in life and you have passion for it, you, you don't." You just give up so mm. i said no i i i'm gonna try everything to come back and uh, i started I, I lived in in south of america in atlanta in georgia and in that area there are a lot of wooden built homes so i went to my dining room and i started doing a bump and i got right away sick because my brain was not able to compensate the 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 bump and you know, it took me three hours. I, I waited three hours and I took a bump again. And I did that every day. And, um, you know, I worked my way up and it took me about nine months. Then I went back to the, the wrestling school, the power plant. And after nine months, I, I uh, said to WCW, hey, listen, I'm ready again. And they said, no, the, the doctor said you can die if you step in the ring. So I, I went to, I don't know how many doctors, and found, finally I found one doctor who said, hey, this is okay, you, you, you are able to wrestle. And, um, you know, I, I gave them the, that kind of letter or whatever the, the doctor gave me there and still said that, okay, if you really want to step in the ring, we, we give you the chance, but beforehand you have to sign a waiver or how you say it? Yeah, at the, a waiver. Yeah, it's my own responsibility if I die. And on every page, <laughs> it said, "You can die. You can die. You can die." Oh. And um, yeah, I signed it without even really reading it. And uh, from that on, many, many more years, I stepped in the ring and I had a lot of matches. Of course, it wasn't easy at the beginning. I, I remember uh, many times I, I, I did the match. And I felt sick afterwards, and I, I still had to travel after the show four hours in a different city by myself, like Montana. If you drive through Montana, there's nothing around you. It's just darkness, the stars, and that's it. And I never knew if I'm going to arrive in the next city. But, you know, that went away. And after half a year, I, I really felt really good again. And uh, it was a tough time. But, yeah, I'm very, that's why I'm very grateful that I was able to continue my wrestling career, you know. And since that, I'm, I'm still in the sport and I... Even in my wrestling school, I did many, many matches. So very thankful. That's a, that's a crazy yeah, story. That is... That's real. That's nuts. Yeah, I, I guess I was very lucky. <laughs> and a tough bastard as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think all, you know, everybody who, who loves the sport, they try as long as they can to somehow, you know, get in the ring, back in the ring. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's 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 great that you, you know, you live to tell the tale. Really, it's uh, it could have been could have been so much worse. Yeah, true. But on the other hand, I was very lucky because, and uh, because uh, in Zagana, where it happened, where Nitro was uh, took place, they had a, a special head unit, and. Um, this this was probably very too very good for 
for this situation because if I would have been somewhere in a little town, you know, and could have ended maybe differently. Plus, WCW paid my whole stay in this very, it was a very good hospital, you know, and they really took care of me, I have to say. That's good to hear. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Alex, are you watching much wrestling these days? Are you watching anything that um, that's going on in, in the US? Not really, because I have so much uh, on my side by myself, you know, my wrestling school and, and you know, I tape those matches and I, I, I analyze it and I talk to my students and then I, I uh, watch all the matches of my promotion, you know, and all that stuff. And I, I you know, I like somehow more the, the old times. I'm more the old school type, you know. <laughs> The match which you mentioned with my dad, I really enjoy watching stuff like that. Or, you know, and I like to watch like um, um, NXT stuff, some of it, especially if one, once my uh, foreign student Fabian wrestles, you know. Plus, sometimes I watch AEW, you know, New Japan, I always like still. But WWE has so much hours of wrestling now as a product you, you really can't watch all of it so you kind of lose storylines and stuff like that so i just pick out certain matches and you know enjoy them but i i don't follow it on a regular base not really i still love wrestling but it's just then too much and some stuff is really um yeah i i don't know storylines I don't really you know find good or it's not interesting enough for me is it maybe maybe it's not wrestling centric enough it's it's you know maybe yeah. too showbiz sometimes yeah, yeah exactly and I, I'm you know in my opinion uh, WWE would be doing good of having more wrestlers again instead of buying all the you know, uh, pros of other sports. Because if, if you start in wrestling and you start, you want to be a pro wrestler from, from, from the beginning, like you have the passion for it and you go through hard times and then you finally made it to a big company, you know, they are much more loyal and, you know, they, they, they pay their dues and they're, uh, they, they love the sport. But if you, you go to a, a, a how do you say, ehemalig, uh, for, former football player. Yeah. He just does it because he wants to, you know, make a quick money and he has no connection to that sport. Like, like guys who start wrestling in front of three people, you know, in a shitty place and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, I've done all that. You know, I, I stepped in, 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 in the ring with a lot of injuries and worked in, I mean, really shitty places. And, uh, you have a total different connection to the sport and to the audience and stuff like that. And I think they would be doing good if they would have more guys from that side instead of, you know, all those millionaires which have maybe an ego and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it, it goes to show. I mean, if you watched uh, matches like Volta versus uh, Dragunov, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're like two pure wrestling guys, a very right. UK style match. Um, right. You know, and even the um, Kyle O'Reilly, um, 
Adam Cole feud as well in NXT. Right. You know, these guys that have worked yeah, on the independents. Right, right. Wrestling yeah. guys. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. NXT has anyway the better matches. Yeah. And that, that's 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 probably uh, uh also why AEW, you know, is a really competitor to WWE now because they have a lot of real matches, you know, and yeah, WWE's they have a lot of talents but they don't use them properly like like my my former student fabian he's an unbelievable talent you know he he just kicks ass he's a crazy guy but um he he does not get the chance to show everything he can do you know and that's very sad because there's a lot of guys like him down there and just because they're not that tall or not that heavy i mean he he weighs about what's he was about 200 and 25 pounds and um he's unbelievable high the hardy boys did he we would do it like that you know but they they just don't give him the chance enough you know and there's a lot of other guys and and um i think they lose the audience to to other companies i mean a lot of students in my in my school they say well we watch wwe but we like AEW much better or New Japan much better or NXT if we watch WWE NXT, you know. So I think they, they're gonna have a problem in the future if they continue that direction. Yeah, I mean, uh, are, you, are you looking forward to um, watching uh, CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in AEW then? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, then, we... then they have a real big problem, WWE. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we watched uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, however you want to call him, um, spent a lot of time in the UK, did some UK tours uh, with companies over here. And we we saw him in the late, you know, early 2000s quite a bit over here. Yeah, yeah. Great worker, yeah. Fantastic, Definitely. yeah. 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 Um, Alex, I mean, we don't want to take up any more of your time we can only really say uh, Danka for for you coming on and being so great. I mean, uh, Chris, I mean, yeah, you've... I, I could, I could talk been, to you all day. You've been excited about this. Honestly, one, yeah. I've been excited because I was a huge, I'm a huge fan of British wrestling. We both are. And, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you were trained by your dad and your dad was such a great worker. Like I say, we, we, had, um, we had something in the UK called the Wrestling Channel. Mm -hmm. And... It showed all of the old British wrestling all the time. So the world of sports stuff, right. um, you know, and, and we, we literally, we were able to then watch all that stuff again. And, you know, watching you in the ring, shades of, of Steve. And like I say, with your, your, your European uppercuts and the cartwheels and all that kind of stuff, you know, it was, it was just great watching you. And I have been excited about this for months. Um, and we haven't told anyone that we were having you on. And, okay. you know, it's it's just absolutely great. And, you know, we cannot thank you enough. I mean, I could personally chew your ear off um, for hours and hours. I mean, you know, just talking about, um, you know, people you've worked with and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we understand that you're a busy guy. So you've got your the right stuff. Uh, wrestling school did you want to plug any of your stuff now and, and you know give people the email address and the website and stuff sure again yeah please um it's 
if you want to learn pro wrestling and you're interested in the sport, um, just check out my website. It's www.prowrestlingschool.de. It's also in English. So for anybody who's interested from the UK, he's more than welcome in my school. And again, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed being on and anytime again. And thanks for being a fan. Man, thank you very much. You know, we, we're just very grateful that you're able to join us because running a wrestling school. I mean, if, if we were younger and we were back in the game, I mean, there was a time. No excuses, ago. no excuses. Oh, I don't know, man. We've, we've bumped our last bump. I think, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, Oh no, come on. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it might be worth us uh, taking a trip out, out to the, out to the man, school. Yeah, if, let if, if let you me do... know if you're in Germany. Oh, I, I very nearly moved to Germany many years ago. Um, okay. I, I uh, nearly moved to uh, Cologne, to Kern. Um, okay, so it, that didn't happen for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, if you do any seminars and stuff when COVID gets a, a bit less crazy, yes, um, yes. you know, uh, Jordan, man, we've got to go and just... <laughs> I, might, you know, I might even take another bump. Oh, man, <laughs> you've got to. I'll, I'll happily chop the shit out of you my, again. My wife will be furious to hear this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, okay. I um, I remember that. So my next seminar, I give you a call and then no excuses. Please do, man. You guys We're... are still young. Come on. I'm, I'm ready, man. If I get to step in the ring with uh, Das Wonderkind, I will be a happy man. <laughs> okay, good. So, um... <laughs> You know, th thanks, thanks for joining us, Alex. You know, and um, if if we can get grab you another time for maybe a part two uh, when you're not busy, that would be great as well. A anytime, I had a blast. Thank you very much. Thank thanks, you man. so much, Alex. Right, everyone, that is so great. Thank you, Alex, for sticking around. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, that was a favourite for me. There, really, um, Alex Wright, the Wonder Kid. Uh, Wonderkind, sorry. That's Wonderkind. That's Wonderkind, uh, or the Wonder Punk, as uh, Bobby the Brain Heating used to call him. Um, that was great. I mean, enjoyed every moment of that. And, um, you know, we want to thank Alex again for his time. He's a busy man. He's running, running the wrestling school in Germany. Um, he's running his own promotion. You know, he, he's talking about his TV deals and stuff. So, yeah, he's a busy man. And, and the fact that he's given two jabronis in Hertfordshire, um, his time is just, uh, we're really thankful for that. That is, yeah, that's right. Two, two J-bros from Hertfordshire. Um, but like we said before, the number one wrestling podcast in all of Hertfordshire with JB and the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts. Yeah. Right here, whichever way I'm pointing, it's pointing to Chris. That's, That's his gucha. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, we got nothing but thank yous and love for Alex Wright for giving us the, the amount of time he did for that. That's so, it was so good. We had so much fun. And as always, hit those buttons we keep we will keep coming out with these random surprise interviews and you know we'll keep doing the reviews whenever we're not doing random surprise interviews yeah you know hit those buttons comment like subscribe follow whatever the else. Bell, you, know, man. you know where you know the you know right. the 
you know, the usernames, the Twitter handles, all of that stuff. It's all on there. It's all on the video if you want to see it at Chat Grapple Pops. You can't miss it. We have to have a very special thank you because this show today is brought in part to you by zenpop.jp. Use the link down in the description and use the promo code GRAPPLE for five bucks off uh, your Zenpop worldwide this, that's right worldwide so these boxes that we've got here are the japanese sweet boxes but there is also a ramen box and a stationary box so you can choose whichever one you want and you'll get five bucks off that touch our link in the description and use the promo code grapple because and this is a fresh opening like we, i will show the rest of the world what we get on instagram later on that's but- right as I open this box right now, I don't know if you can hear this on the microphone. It is a fresh opening. That's right. See and what we've got in here. Look at that. I can't Are hold you? mine up and open it at the same time, but this is just... I'm just picking out one thing here from, from the box right now, and all I can tell is that it's Pokemon. You've got can't everything in here. You've it. got you know, so you've got these Pokemon crisps. You've got um, some spicy little things here. Um, this you've is got, the, I believe this is the Halloween box. It is the Spooktastic one, I believe. Yeah. Um, it looks definitely looks like the Spooktastic box. You know, and you've got little chocolate pretzel things here. We've got a little tin of like fruit sweeties there. You know, and there's loads of stuff underneath the bottom. There's just untold stuff in here. So we'll definitely, definitely be showing you that on Instagram. So head over there, check out the story. It might be the story. It might be the the actual page. I haven't figured that out yet, but head on over there once, you know, you're done listening to this because we've got some great treats and surprises in these zenpop.jp boxes, subscription boxes, where you can get $5 off worldwide on whatever you order touch and our link in the description use the, the promo link. code grapple do it do it hit now the link hit the bell hit, hit the everything. bell yes baby thank you so much for sticking with us thank you so much to alex Wright for joining us thank you to chris for being chris <laughs> thank you for jb <laughs> for being jb baby we are yep. chat grapple and cheat pops we ain't going nowhere